Well, I am a gamer, Joey, and how would I announce it to people at the gym? Are we gamers? Yeah. I think so. I think that, wow, this table, We're what happened to it? This table has like a bunch of, of crud on it. <laughs> it's like, it's like green pixie dust. Oh, from the green screen. It's from the green screen. Yeah. It's like felt. That's gross. I, it's, it's a cheaper green screen. That's why. Oh man, that's gross. I don't want to touch it. Oh, I don't want to touch anything. I don't want to. Bad. It, this is this is like, you know how sometimes you like, uh, at the end of a weekend, you're like, oh man, I gotta go to school tomorrow. Oh man, I gotta go back to work tomorrow. Yeah. This is like us going back to work right now. Yeah. It's been a bit. It's been a minute. It's a two-week vacay, though. That's important. Is it? Yeah. I don't... I, Otherwise, you go crazy. I, I, I don't know. Uh, it was like it was like a one-week vacay. We did release something last week. We, we put out Joey Hates Movies, but like yeah. this feels like... This feels like the 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 time that we're starting to do something again. We had a uh, we we had a lot of stuff that we'll talk about on the normal show because it's been a very exciting two weeks. But uh, for the purpose of this podcast, for the purpose of Garbage Game Club, I think that uh, it's important that people know that we finally finished Outer Worlds, and now we can talk about it. Hell yeah! Do you know when we told people we were going to play this <laughs> game? Well, it was like. The week after it had come out, which was... I don't know. No... I want to say it's been like two months. It is like two months. October? Yeah, it's been like two months. Yeah, about. It's been like two months that we've been like, oh, we're going to play this game. And I feel like... Um, I don't know if we did a good thing by saying it early or a bad thing by saying it early. I don't know if people were anticipating it. If, if this is now like a thing that people have been building up anticipation for, like, it's been months and here they are. They're going to talk about the game. But what are we actually doing? <laughs> what do you mean? What are we actually doing? Well, I, what, we it, it took us so long to get here that that do do people still yeah well, care? I think it's one of those semi big. It's not. I wouldn't call it a triple A release, but it was definitely one of the more notable releases last year from like a pretty big um, developer, Obsidian Entertainment. Everyone loves Fallout New Vegas. They're like, oh, you make the best Fallout games, and now they're making another one that's not Fallout, but it's in space, and oh. It's been a game that has been on... It's been it's on been, it's, been, it's, it's been nominated for Game of the Year in a lot of lists. Yeah, it's, it's consistently so, within a top ten. Yeah, for, for the year. So, it we I think we got an interesting path that we took for playing it, because you started playing the game right away. Yes, I was very gung-ho about it. You're very gung-ho. Especially in the beginning. And then I, it took me a while to start. Like, I needed a lot of activation energy. I didn't play it for probably, like, two weeks. And then I did play it for, like, three hours, maybe, and put it on the shelf for, like, a month. <laughs> did but, you game pass it? Sure. <laughs> That's what I did. <laughs> it's a dollar for game pass, Joe. I'm not going to give Microsoft money. I've never given them money. Why do I want to give them money? It's a dollar. No, fuck them. Um... <laughs> Support game and game makers, everybody. <laughs> I am a bad example. I got the game off the Epic Game Store. Yep, that's what I did. Uh, I, I, I It's a place you can get. I waited like a month, and then when I went back to it, it was like I, I, I came back to it because I felt like I didn't have a lot of other things to be doing <laughs> so i'm like ugh, like this is this is me just sitting down i'm gonna take my medicine i wasn't like super into it when i started but i'm just gonna 
go ahead and do it. Uh, and then I proceeded to play the next 10 hours of it in very rapid succession. Not one sitting, but like one and a half sittings. Yeah, I could hear every time you played it because I could just hear like a lot of the ambient music that plays. Because I think out of everything, like the thing, the thing the game does very well is uh, it's like not it, it. I wouldn't say it's like a soundtrack, like it's a bopper. But, like, it has some pretty good music. Like, I really dig a lot of the ambient sci-fi, like, old-school-style adventuring frontier music. And it feels kind of calming. It's not overly exciting. It's not inherently techy or techno-y. It's just, it's nice. Wait a second. So, was my volume too loud all the time? Yes. Oh, fuck. Yeah. Your, your, your speakers are very loud, Joey. Oh. It's fine. It doesn't bother me. But I'm just like, oh, he's playing Outer Worlds now. Oh man. And it's that's... usually punctuated with like <laughs> people exploding. <laughs> I feel like I feel like my speakers aren't that loud. Now I'm gonna be all self-conscious about it. It doesn't bother me. Mm. You're totally fine. Sounds like it bothers you. Yeah. Um I didn't notice a lot of the music. I would I didn't notice a lot of the sound really. It just felt fine well, I th or like good it's like it's good because it what i wasn't like you're focusing not inherently on it, aware of the ambient music that's playing and i think that's kind of like oh it succeeded well done but i did care about the visuals of the game very interesting color palette and it's been widely reported that the game was designed by someone who has color blindness really so it's inherently made so that you don't need a colorblind setting in that game like every game should have literally every game should have one but you don't need one in this game because it's designed by people who are colorblind which is so why you see so many purples and oranges and all these like all these planets that you're traveling to look kind of distinct and nothing just looks Gears of War-Z or Halo-E or Call of Duty-E or, or even just like modern. It's just, a, it, it feels slightly surreal. Well, yeah, I think uh, if you contrast that too, especially to the games that Obsidian is known for, whether it be Alpha Protocol, whether it be Fallout New Vegas, like those games are very much like shelved in the mid 2000 the, the mid aughts you know like the games are about being edgy they're about looking like monotone to, to convey how gritty and realistic they are oh man this wasteland's so brown because you know that's what happens when when society gets all messed up and it, it's a nice welcome to departure especially in the in the, the new eras or i guess we're in the in the previous decade i should say now in the previous decade good we, god we saw the embracing Dude, of this game came out last decade man it, uh, developers really embraced the idea like hey there are other colors that we can utilize and you know what they make for some beautiful fantastic worlds and i think that is at its core what the best thing the outer wilds does is it really delivers on the promise of the outer i said well at wilds it delivers on the promise of the outer worlds i feel like i am not on generic sci-fi planet one it's generic sci like everything just looks distinct and, and it's very fun and vibrant and uh, i did not know that it was made by people who were colorblind and that makes a lot of sense and um this might be veering into joey hates movies territory a bit the spoiler but um the movie drive uh, made by Nicholas Winding Refn, who you know as Hartman, um, he is also colorblind, and his movies also have a very striking color palette just because he's like, well, I can't see any color, so I think it might look cool. 
And so it's interesting to see that those two stories kind of corroborate one another and like, oh, wow. For sure. I um, I feel like I want to ask you, we haven't talked about much about what Outer Worlds is. Mm. Um, just from the top, because we both had like weird journeys to get to this point, it took a little bit longer than I think we both anticipated, which, which we just admitted, at least for me, was partly due to apathy. Mm. Um, so just top level, how do you feel about this video game? I think it has a lot of interesting ideas that I feel I have a hard time caring about. Man, every time you start something with like, I feel like it has a lot of interesting things. That's like the precursor to like, I'm saying something nice before I say the thing that isn't so nice. Well, the thing that really grabbed me from the beginning, you know, it, you are a colonist who is awoken from um, a cryo sleep. You are the only colonist on aboard a ship called the Hope who gets cryogenically unfrozen by a mad scientist who is not Rick Sanchez, but he's pretty much Rick Sanchez, just in the way he looks and also in his demeanor. He's kind of grumpy. He's kind of uh, a frenetic and f crazy, for lack of a better word, a bit eccentric. Um, and you are tasked with kind of trying to go about the galaxy, getting supplies for him in order to unfreeze uh, the entire remaining cryogenically frozen colonists aboard the Hope, all while dealing with corporations that own planets and own peoples. This is very much a game centered around capitalism and the evils of capitalism, but this is like late, late, late stage capitalism where people get fined if they hurt themselves because, you know, you're damaging company property. It's very much like tongue-in-cheek, hyper-crazy when it comes to stuff like that. This game feels like a game where the New Vegas people are like, you know what? Let's make another New Vegas game. Let's do the things that people like from this genre that we've kind of established. Let's throw in space. Let's throw in comedy. Let's throw in a little bit of like, you know, sci-fi uh, utopian future society. And then someone's like, hold on, everybody. We need a pillar to wrap this game around. What central idea are we going to use to kind of make all these points in our video game? And they decided that the point is capitalism is bad. Yeah. Because the game is like... And that's an interesting idea because that's probably one of the few times I've ever seen a game hyper-focused on capitalism as a theme and anti-capitalism as a theme. Like, you don't really see that in video games. I think you're going to see more of it yeah. in all media. So I think that the, the, the 2010s... And especially the later 2010s was was a media sphere that was nichely dominated, which I think might be an oxymoron, by um, by depictions of mental health. Yeah, for sure. And it's something that our cohort is like super into and super open about, and something that hasn't really been explored a lot in media because it was taboo. Mm -hmm. Like so, so we, and I think that my prediction for these next coming years is that we're going to be getting out of like a lot of this media about mental health being a focus and put it into a lot of media about capitalism being a focus. Yeah, I, I completely, completely agree with your assessment. That's it's something like. I think this previous decade, the 2010s, the the, the 10s especially, that's when it, I kind of knew like, oh, yeah, corporations are pretty much evil. Like 
from high school going up. Like in middle school, I didn't really think about that sort of thing. But in high school, I'm like, okay, there's issues here with people who actually have money and power. But I think out of, you know, uh, I think we tend to hang around a lot of similar minded people. Mm -hmm. And there are a lot of people that I'm friends with that aren't really thinking about that in a way that's just like, oh, this is my everyday reality. And it's all because of these companies shaping it. Literally everything I do is driven by these companies. And so now it seems like they are starting to become more aware of it too. So people who I wouldn't have normally considered like, oh, you probably think about this regularly. Now they are, which is like, oh, that's, that's cool. Yeah, and it'll only get more predominant as it per permutates our media. And I think that Outer Worlds, like, it, I think that Outer Worlds might have been a little heavy-handed, but I say that as someone who is like hyper aware of the space. I don't know if someone who doesn't spend a lot of time thinking about government systems, capitalism, the potential pitfalls of it, the way that the world is right now. I don't know if they would view the game as as heavy-handed as I did because it might be more like. Um, uh, not 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 realizations, but like it, 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 maybe I'm too in the weeds, so that everything things that no longer are subtle. I think it kind of for the purpose of being one of the first few games about something like this. I think it's appropriate that it is heavy-handed because it's also comedically heavy-handed, and that kind of works uh, very well with the tone they're going for. This isn't like a like. They're serious subject matter, but it's not a serious game. It's not a Last of Us tone. It's very tongue-in-cheek and very silly, mm -hmm. and a lot of the heavy-handedness is kind of pointed at explicitly. Like, if you are a, uh, if you put a lot of points into persuasion as a skill, like, some of the choices that you make that get people to do things for you are so, like, comically, like, arbitrarily ridiculous, or it's just like, this is funny, but it only works because... The tone so far has aligned with this kind of like over the topness, which which is fine. And I think it's also good for people who might not be as well versed in looking at capitalism in this lens where they're like, oh, I get it. This is an extreme mm -hmm. and I can see how we could potentially get there. So that that's fine. But yes, agreed. It is super heavy handed. Yeah, um, we can talk. We can do a whole podcast on multiple different parts of this game. You can do a whole podcast on the the, 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 area. the, the, the themes and the story. You can do a whole podcast on the opening area and dissecting it. You can do a whole podcast comparing it to a Fallout game. You can do a whole hour about um, the actual gameplay. Um, so to, to, to jump around a wee little bit, mm -hmm. the start of the game feels like familiar for anyone who's played their games before. You don't have the special system, you don't have VATS, but you have a tiny slowy downy mechanic and you have a bunch of skill points you can allocate in your tree that each have subtrees and special upgrade perks and a level up system that helps you do all that stuff. You How did you- do like the key skills at the beginning where you can tag three skills that like these are my focus these are what are going to get a big shot in the arm right at the beginning of the game like that's straight up fallout new vegas and even the way the character creation looks like the perspective on your character it's like in a tv like this is just straight up fallout there's 
it's I am someone who played this game once, will not play it again, but I understand from the beginning that there are a lot of different paths, a lot of different things to explore, a lot of different side quests. Not as many as you would have in like a giant Bethesda game, but enough to keep the replay value of this game being very, very high. Yeah, but but that being said, it is smaller in scope. Um, this I wouldn't really consider this an open world game. No, it, it, I would say for the most part it's fairly linear. You can decide what stuff you want to do, sure, but it just seems like it's three, three. No, actually, there's like five hubs that are all connected by like a, a world map, which is fine. Like I don't really think this game needs to be open world, and I think the smaller scope, had it been any larger, I probably wouldn't have finished it. There's there's stuff for people who want to like, oh, do I want to go do more shooty shooty or looty looty? Like, yeah, sure, go to other planets, do other side quests. Do you want to just talk to people and listen to dialogue and entrench yourself in the world? There's a bunch of bars, a bunch of NPCs you can talk to with a bunch of different factions that have a bunch of different objectives. So there is stuff there if you want to dive in, which is cool. I never really wanted to dive in more than the main game. But even the main game has a big fork in the road that from my understanding could present even if you don't want to do all the side quest stuff you can play the game twice basically with a big fork yeah being that um you can turn in uh grandpa who unfroze you or you can help him yeah and that's like a choice that happens relatively at the start of the game, a couple hours in, and that will dictate your next most of the rest of the game. Yeah, when you get to Edgewater, there is a like a um, prison area that you can go in, and you can just straight up report wells if you want to. Um, and and I, but I think out of all the things, Edgewater presents the promise of the game very well. And I think after Edgewater is where I start to lose so much steam because the big moral choices that are presented to you in edgewater like for the most part in this game you either side with the corporations you side with uh, the side that is like not inherently anti-corporation but you're trying to kind of show people the light who are trapped in the cave and be like hey you don't have to be trapped here you can try and rebel against these corporations or you can try and find a healthy like in between but the in between is very difficult to do oftentimes like you have to make the perfect choice every time it's a little bit harder to pull off um but in edgewater the big moment is when you have to either divert the water or divert the power to the city of edgewater or this rebel faction group that's on the out like the outer areas they are the people who have shunned the corporation and the game asks you who are you going to give it to i'm presenting you with the pros and cons of each and that's why that's why i think this game works in this very binary good bad in between because each good bad and in between has ramifications it has moral choices that you have to think about and you know just because you're anti-corporation diverting power away from the corporate cities gonna fuck up people who are there like oh yeah like that's not a nice thing that you're doing sure you're trying to break them free but people are gonna die because of the choice you make but that's where i have a problem with this game because i feel like the choices are interesting but then once you make it nothing really happens it's just like you were presented with the information like oh people are gonna die but i don't really see that when i walk through edgewater again 
I don't really. So did you divert the power? No, I did the in between where I got the 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 rebel faction leader to take over Edgewater as the new mayor, and I got the original mayor to uh, force himself out because he realized he wasn't competent enough. So it was like it's also what I did. The best of both worlds. Because we're all about compromise here on Garbage Game Club. <laughs> well, and that's one of the only times that that actually happened because I, I orig normally when I play games like this, I'm like, I try to play the way I would in real life. Like if I was in this situation, I'm not going to be an asshole. I'm not going to be like inherently goody goody teacher. Like I will weigh what Nicholas thinks is best for these people because I have a God complex. And, uh, Oof. And then after that, I didn't think my choice was interesting. So every subsequent, I chose a side. I was like, am I going to be? And I just, I played like as a free agent almost. I'm like, maybe this one I'm going to be with the corporation because these people are kind of dicks. Or maybe I'm just going to shun the corporation entirely. And I found that was far more interesting because uh, there's a point where you have to help out MSI on the... Forget my favorite motherboards. Yeah, I believe it was on Terra too. Um, but my favorite graphics card. <laughs> but by choosing one of the factions to help, they actually showed up in the final encounter in the game when you're rushing through the prison and they played support military. So I thought that was pretty neat. Like they were diverting some of the prison guards' attention while I was sneaking my way through the uh, the prison. I was like, cool. I I made a choice and it actually did something. Um, and the thing that Obsidian does so well is dialogue. I think talking to people is fun. There's bartenders who have no relation or importance to the story at all that have entire backgrounds that you can kind of probe at and poke out and pull information out of. It's generally a thing I don't like about games. So I was trying really hard to like get into that world. But I don't think they pulled it off. I don't think that they've built an interesting enough world. I think there's the beginnings of something interesting here but the problem i found with the outer world was actually playing it i don't think it's a particularly fun game to move around into to shoot i don't think its mechanics are particularly deep every time i leveled up and poured points into a skill or i got a perk that i unlocked i never felt like it was doing anything interesting like i was just upping a percentage it's just fine but yeah, you're stronger now because you can carry more stuff now. You are faster now, which is the best perk. The, the sprint faster perk makes the game quicker, literally. Yeah, and the encumbrance one, so you'll never get slowed down. But I just found myself at a certain point like just logging out and reading faster than the VO was being delivered just so I could skip through it. And like, I think the VO's good, but they just like at a certain point, I'm just like, okay, I think I'm done with this game, and I'm just ready to see what happens. And that's when I turned it into uh, rage. You know, it just became a first-person shooter because I chose uh, long arms and speech and hacking as my primary skills, and so I just got into areas I wasn't supposed to. And then I was, had I got into an area that someone discovered, I just blew their head off with a shotgun, and it felt better than a Fallout game. But you run into the same enemies over and over and over. The beauty of, an, uh, of a Skyrim or a, an Oblivion or Fallout is the variety of enemies, each with different equipment. Equipment that you might want to like, oh, that was a good shotgun. I've never seen that before. Oh, it's modded? Oh, cool. This game doesn't really, like, it has special weapons, but... 
it Ooh. has all that stuff. It has like the game has a whole weapon system, you know, where electric weapons do better against bugs, and you can make enemies bleed, and people with armor do shock damage, and you can upgrade all your weapons with different type of modifiers that add percentage-based bonuses on top of whatever they're doing. Like, there's a lot of potential depth there, but none of it ever felt super engaging to me. Like, oh man, I'm so excited that I just looted this random gun mod that's gonna give me my two times scope, and then <laughs> like. Yeah, I put that stuff on, but there was just a lot of, a lot of menuing. If you're fighting a like a, a robot, you're like, I should use an electric weapon against this thing. But the effort to actually like, oh, I didn't slot it into my hotkeys. I gotta go. And, I'm just gonna shoot it with a regular shotgun until it dies. Like that's what I found myself doing. Like I knew what I was supposed to do, but it would have taken longer to just play the game the way it wanted me to than just like, nah, I'm just gonna be good at it because the game's not hard either it's it's pretty easy the game should be played on the hardest difficulty i strongly believe that like if Wait, you want to play the game for the sake of the game you should be playing the game on like the your companions die like but i heard the, that's like the because then your companions die from the beginning and then it's like they're gone forever they die so often and that's like my companions didn't die that much they're some of the most interesting parts of the game because they're fully fleshed out characters and <sighs> they have their own side quests they have their own stories but they oh this is the thing a game this game does that a bunch of games are going to rip off from here on out is the idea like you're going through a dungeon and your partner will say oh I've been here before and then you can kind of turn and look at them and talk to them and every partner is uh, an optional thing you don't have to get anyone in this game and so when they say that that should perk your ears up to be like oh I, I can learn something so if you talk to them they'll say hey you want to be careful around here I've been through here I was here last week. Uh, this place is booby trapped to hell. Uh, take a look right around the pillars. Like they they say things that are context sensitive, and I think that's super interesting. In the way that God of War did its environmental storytelling with Ymir's head, mm -hmm. when you would just tell ancient um, Viking stories, I think this game's gonna do something with context based. Uh, companions and people. I was also a big fan of the companions being like, "Hey, can you stop for a second? I can. Can I have a word?" Yeah. It's like I. I don't think I remember games where my companions are like asking me to take the time to stop and what I'm doing because they want to have a conversation, which yeah. I can ignore or I cannot. Like the companions were cool. I felt that they had different. You know, they all had different uses. They're all. You know, you can have two at a time. They help you in combat. They uh, have special abilities you can use, which always trigger cutscenes, which is kind of frustrating. Yeah. Um, <laughs> um, the. The companions will like really upgrade your perks. I think that I I overstated what my persuasion perk, and I ended with like 130 or something when I had a <laughs> yeah. companion equipped. Uh, I played the game almost entirely uh, conversation based, like lie, persuasion, um, intimidate, and melee focused, mm -hmm. because I realized from the beginning uh, that I didn't love the gunplay that much it's fine yeah. it's passable there's not a lot to complain about it but just as someone who is hypersensitive to um first person shooter style mechanics i just i just wasn't into the gunplay that much i'm like you know what melee character i had i played the whole game all my combat was exclusively melee combat from that point forward i had more fun that way um so it was all melee 
in in people's faces and talking to them. And for a period of time on some of the planets, you're like, oh man, I'm really like working on this melee stuff. I gotta I gotta kill these these alien roaches things. I gotta kill these ant lions or whatever the fuck they are. <laughs> um, and they're skags from Borderlands. The, the the later part of the game was so I don't think I committed any combat in the last ninety minutes. For the most part, it's about right. It was just just a lot of like dialogue checks going forward. Dialogue checks. There's an item you can get which uh, which you can find in like a hidden locker that cloaks you. Oh yeah, it's the cloaking thing in the captain's quarters after you get on the unreliable. Yeah, when you get the cloaking device, you can just sneak past anyone. Yeah, it does something interesting though. Is if you put enough points into like persuasion and stuff like that. Um, basically there's a meter that's running down based on how fast you're moving when you're disguised. And then once the meter's gone, your disguise goes away and someone can stop you. And if your dialogue skills are good enough, you can basically, you get one attempt at persuading people. You get one attempt at lying to people and one attempt at, um, intimidating people. And each time is just some BS thing where the guards are like, where, where a guard will approach you. What are you doing over here? And you say, uh, well, why are you spending the time to stop and talk to me? I'm going to have to report that to your manager. He's like, ah, shit, uh, just get out of here, but don't tell him. And so it's like, it's very funny again, but it's very gamey. Like, it feels like it's very, like, I, I like games where the, the dialogue choices, like, I know without a doubt, anytime I make a dialogue option, that is like, because my skills are high enough, I will just succeed at the thing I'm trying to do. I wish there was more this like a conversation like, oh, just because my skill's good enough doesn't mean this guy likes it when I intimidate them. Like there should be something like that. I don't know. Maybe just I should talk to people more <laughs> instead of playing games. Yeah, maybe you should just talk to people more. <laughs> it sounds like a lot of the stuff is coming from like I don't think this game had super high expectations. Like it's not like it's not like Last of Us 2 expectations, but I think that the game had high enough expectations for people who like similar games in the franchise or like were such big New Vegas fans that there were things that you wish were evolved a little bit more, that you wish that had more thought gone to it. Because this game has like such a wide breadth. There's so many things that you could be doing mm -hmm. or so many things that, that they, they, they worked on, that they developed, they spent time writing and uh, art and programming that like it feels like no one thing is perfect, but there's almost everything that's slightly above average. And it's like I I wanted I wanted those better dialogue options. I wanted more. Uh, I wanted better conversations. I wanted to have better gunplay. I wanted to have, you know, more worlds to explore or like a, a less encumbersome encumbrance system. So I, I feel like the game suffers because it's hard to point at a single thing and be like, oh, it excels at this. It's just good across the board, but it doesn't it doesn't have a thing where it's like, oh man perfect yeah. ever it, it's for lack of a better thing and everyone uses this in gaming it's a it's a puddle with the depth of an ocean but except sometimes the ocean floor rises and it's still just a puddle in certain areas but so like really only the dialogue stuff is inherently deep otherwise it's like eh, there's not that much here for me and one thing that stood out to me especially now in the year 2020 is <laughs> God. It feels very much like a Telltale's game 
style of choice where every choice you make, you feel like, oh, wow, this is going to make a difference. The game almost sets you up like, oh, yeah, this is going to matter. But it all kind of just, it, it, it's just all a long way of going to the same end of the circle. No matter what choice you make, if you go left or right, if you side with the board, or if you side with the people who are trying to rebel against the board, or if you just walk down the middle, you still get to the other side of the circle. And I think the thing that we need from Obsidian Entertainment, again, it's very easy for me to say, this is what you should do. This will be better. Is just have things like a, like David Cage's uh, Become Human. Is, what's that called? Be, become Human? Detroit. Like, is Detroit Become Human? There are literal endings, mul tons of endings of that game. And sometimes you just lock yourself out of, out of seeing giant chunks of the game because you made it a poor choice or you made the right choice it's it's a matter of perspective like the game should have the gall to say no you're because of the choices you made like it's over you you can try re-rolling but again you're like asking for more from a game that like doesn't particularly have yeah. problems like that the it's game better. is fine the game's fine it's just not it it's like almost frustrating because you see the areas where the game could be majestic yeah but it just doesn't get to that level and i'm sure that that's a lot of like how long did it take to make this game how what was their budget yeah what could they have done if they had two more years six more months it's not a triple a game so again i'm asking a lot of people with very little resource but i, th I think it was just me realizing like i think i might be done with these kinds of games until they start to fulfill the thing that i want them to be well you're asking so much no i know you're asking for a lot well then but couple that with something like um oh shoot what's that game that came out that won a bunch of awards it's all dialogue um shoot it's a top-down rpg i can't disco elysium yeah a game like disco elysium comes out around the same time and it is very much the type of game that i'm interested in again very similar premises all dialogue based it's all just talking to people making choices and it's very little combat. It's just all talking. The press might bully us into playing that game. <laughs> I, I want to play it. I think that that game might fulfill the, the promise that I that I seek to fulfill. Like, but that game for me isn't going to have the satisfying squishing the ant lion melee. I mean, the animation with Nyoko, whenever she does her special move, she like loads a cartridge into her minigun. Like, it's such a good... It's, that's a really good ad. Like, I know you didn't like the cutscenes, and I didn't either, but that was always a fun one. Like, the sound it makes is so good, and she's just, like, a very fun character. Yeah, the, the characters are fun. The game is fun. Like, when I got into it, like, I played all of it, and yes, I did mainline the story instead of being like, let me explore. But I can see someone who would value the let me explore and all the other stuff the game has to offer. Not for me, but also not bad. It's it, not. It, it feels like like the ugh, the game for me, I feel like we're talking net poorly about it, but that's not my full opinion. Well, in a game like this, I usually try to savor every moment. I want to learn everything there is to know about the lore in a world. And I just found myself not caring about anything in this world. Like, I think the characters are the best part, and that's it. Yeah, that's then the whole, like, hey, guys, capitalism's bad. Yeah. Also cool. But it's a, it's, it's, it's a game. I think that it's a game that people who like this type of game 
from the past, from their past experiences, have probably already played it and have their own opinions about it. I don't think that I'm going to encourage anyone to play or to not play this game. I, I think it would be a hard recommendation for someone who isn't into this type of experience. Mm -hmm. Maybe someone who really wants to try it out, who never played a Fallout New Vegas, who isn't like in love with the genre. It's a good, it's a good uh, like streamlined version. Yeah, it's a streamlined version, the starting off point. Like maybe if you like it, then you can go back and play New Vegas. I think I'd almost recommend it over New Vegas for like a more modern experience. I think New Vegas has more survival scavenge and loot stuff for people who want that kind of RPG. I think this is more of like a uh, Dungeons and Dragons next, where it's like very streamlined and all about talking to people versus Dungeons and Dragons 3.5, which is all mechanics and uh, and like, oh, well, your stat's not high enough here, so that means you missed this attack, even though it looked like you actually hit them. Like, it, I think it's I think it's that kind of separation. There's two RPGs that work for two very different type of people. But they have the Venn diagram looks a little bit more like a circle than not. Yeah, no, for sure, for sure. Um, yeah, I, 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 I don't know where else to go with Outer Worlds, uh, aside from the fact that I keep on making a point to not say Outer Wilds, even though it's remarkably confusing, and everyone else has talked about that. Very different games. Um, yeah. Maybe one that we'll also have to play. Uh, I want to play that one. I, I do too. I need. Uh, maybe you'll play it first. Not assigning homework yet. We're gonna test we'll get the to water. Homework in a little. We'll bit. get to homework in a little bit. The, I, I, I don't know what my takeaway is from Outer Worlds. I, I think it's you know, if you like a game like this, and you haven't tried it, it's probably worth trying i don't think this is going to convert anyone to this genre if you know that you're not predisposed to it yeah I, I think that if you love space shit and you love talking to interesting characters i think this game is perfect for you even if you're interested in just one of those things i'm not inherently a star trek space guy uh, by any stretch of the imagination i prefer like medieval fantasy or grounded sci-fi um like I, I'm just not into spacefaring stuff so much. That's not really my jam. Oh, come on, how let, we're gonna go marathon Firefly right after this? I've never watched Firefly. That man. <laughs> oh. No, I've never watched Firefly. For every movie I haven't watched, there's a TV show that really bothers <laughs> me that you haven't seen. <laughs> I mean, I'll probably like it, and maybe who knows? Maybe one day I will be into spacefaring. Like, oh yeah, I care about space. <laughs> Space Cowboys, because I think that's what this game is. It's Space Manifest Destiny with, uh, instead of the law, it's corporations weighing down on you. I much prefer American post-apocalyptic Manifest Destiny. I'd rather play Death Stranding again. <laughs> See, I'm, I don't. I don't think I want to play Death Stranding. I'd rather play Phantom Pain again. Oof. Hot <laughs> take. Uh, is there anything else that you want to wrap up with? I like. I know... Oh. I feel like this podcast is almost analogous to the game in the sense that there it could go in so many directions, but it didn't, and now we're done. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I uh, great headshots in the game. Great headshots. Everything giblets real nice. I wouldn't know that because all I did was blunt force trauma. Surely, everything. surely you knock stuff off body parts that way. You knock body parts. You knock off. some body parts off. Yeah. Get 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 some chainsaw action. Oh, one thing that's super satisfying though is uh, slowing down time. 
I never use that mechanic. Ever. Uh, it's perfect when you're like sniping or if you're shotgunning fools because then it it crits every time essentially. And if you shoot someone in the head with a shotgun that they manage to survive with, their body just limply pops up into the air and you can just shoot as many times as possible before they land on the ground, which is kind of fun. Like that felt very much like a Rage 2 mechanic, which I was like, oh, that's kind of interesting. Too bad all the guns feel the same. Yeah, or like all the guns are just like minutely statty differently. This is a shotgun. This is a machine gun. This is a sniper. This is a sniper. This one's and a pistol. A, yeah. And there's some interesting. The game's fine. There's and also there's the science weapons. The science weapons are cool. You get a shrink ray. That's nice. Never knew that existed. Yeah, you can get a shrink ray from Wells. It's in his lab. You can just take it and then you can shrink things and you you just punch them and then they die easy. Or there's a, I forget the one, but it scrambles their DNA so they like turn into a different animal, which is kind of fun. So there's some interesting ideas there, but there's just so few of them that I'm like, eh. Yeah, I just missed over it. I just passed over it. Just kept on running forward and been hitting things in the face. I'm glad. I, character. I'm glad I played the Outer Worlds. I'm glad that I can talk about it. I don't, I'm not going to think about this game in like six months or a year or two. But what about when they release Outer World when you have to go to Earth since Earth is like gone silent? <sighs> is that what they're going to do? Are they going to release another game in this series? Did they get, did they get enough, did think, they get enough adulation? I think Obsidian Entertainment has said like, hey, we'll probably go open world next. So that was like a thing they said. So we'll see. Oh, well, after their Fortnite-like survival game where it's like you're a giant or you're a shrunken person in a giant world of bugs. That's their next game. Completely different genre than what uh, Obsidian's done. I think it's called like Buried or something. I think I know what that is. Yeah, you're just a kid who gets shrunk down and you could like build like a... Oh, I love building mechanics. You can build traps. You can build a house. You have to survive in the world of bugs. It looks fine. Anywho. But Joey, that is not the next game for homework. What is the next game we are assigning for homework? The next game for homework is something that I am very excited about. Something that I would so strongly encourage people to play before they even hear the podcast. I think people should do the homework all the time. I think it's I think it's a better experience to listen to the game that they want to play. But sometimes, you know, people might be like, I know I'm not going to play The Outer Worlds. Maybe I'll listen to the podcast anyways. Maybe I won't listen to the podcast. The next game is a game that you should play. Even if you don't think you'll like it. Even if you don't think you'll like it. And I don't want to give away uh, my positive review of the game, even though I just did. Even though Nick might have just done that also. You're going to like it. The next game that you should play, and you should 100% play before you listen, is Slay the Spire. A game that you've probably seen on lists in some way, shape, or form as like, this is a cool roguelike, or this is a cool game that you might have missed, or wow, this is their reinventing card games. It is a game you should try, okay? Just just, just go out on a limb for me. It's not a giant investment you have to make. It's a game you should try before the next episode. You think you don't like deck builder games. I understand what you're saying, but you're going to like Slay the Spire. So tune in for what we've now revealed as a, what's going to probably be a positive review <laughs> of Slay the Spire. That's okay, you could say that. We can still talk pretty in deeply about it. Oh yeah, I've 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 been playing this game for a minute, and I'm excited that Nick has finally touched it, so that we can uh, do the next show about it. And I really hope that you uh, try it out before the show. So uh, thanks. Until next time. And hey, if you're listening to this on any of your free platforms, you freeloader. 
consider backing us over on patreon.com slash cyber garbage do it doing that will give you early mm, access mm, to mm, this podcast mm, mm. and a very similar one all about movies with another friend of ours named coral it's called joey hates movies again you'll get it early on patreon and you can even watch our live show that we do on twitch over on twitch.tv forward slash cyber garbage tv which is just news video games and us being silly so consider throwing us five bucks over on patreon you'll have a good time you'll get stuff early who doesn't love early things Happy New Year. Happy New Year. Happy New Decade, everyone. Goodbye.